When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In case you didn't think that the history wars matter, I'll give you a concrete example of why they do on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at mclanahanacademy.com. So go to mclanahanacademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. If you like this podcast and you want it without advertisements, head over to patreon.com and become a member of The Brian McClanahan Show. For 10 bucks a month, you get all the podcasts ad-free, including video, and you also get a special Q&A podcast. I'm only going to answer your questions, your listener-generated episodes, through those Q&As. So head over to patreon.com, get this podcast ad-free, no ads, not even things like this, and you really do help support The Brian McClanahan Show with really cool stuff on the back end. Get the book that Kevin Goodsman called the single best volume on original intent ever written. My Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. It is the book. When people ask me what's my favorite, that's the one. Pick it up wherever books are sold online and get a real education on the Constitution. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. All right, well, let's talk about Joe Biden. We haven't done that enough. But, of course, Joe Biden's in the news because he's running again, right? He's campaigning. And uh, the other day, he made a speech in Charleston, South Carolina, at the AME Church, where Dylan Roof murdered several uh, churchgoers there, several members of the congregation. And he did it. It's a political stunt, clearly a political stunt. Uh, He did it to try to gather favor, of course, with the uh, black American community. Now, in that speech, he made a comment. Now, I'm going to read the comment, and then I'm going to talk about why this matters. So he said this. This is a a quote. Uh, He said, uh, After the Civil War, the defeated Confederates couldn't accept the verdict of the war. They had lost. So they say they embrace what is known as the lost cause, a self-serving lie that the Civil War was not about slavery, but about states' rights. They called that the noble cause. That was a lie. Now we're living in an era of a second lost cause. Once again, there are some in this country trying, trying to turn a loss into a lie. A lie which, if allowed to live, will once again bring terrible damage to this country, and this time the lies about the 2020 election. The election which made your voice is heard and your power is known. Just two days ago, we marked the third anniversary of one of the darkest days in American history, January the 6th. 
the day in which insurrectionists stormed in the United States Capitol trying for the first time in American history to stop the peaceful transfer of power in our country. So that is what Biden said at this speech. And of course, he called Trump a loser and repeated it. Biden has a, has a tendency to do that. He repeats stuff, try to make a point because he doesn't write these speeches. You know who does write these speeches? Dopey historians. And we know they write these speeches because Biden, or at least they influence the speechwriter, because Biden meets with historians on a fairly regular basis to gather information so that he can talk about his legacy and the impact of history and where he fits within history and why history matters in this. And this is why he starts using things like uh, the campaign video, which was completely ridiculous. This is why I've said Biden gave an 1850 speech on January 5th. He gave an 1850 speech because he's got a bunch of dopey historians influencing his campaign. That's why he gave an 1850 speech. He can't get around it. Joe Biden and all these other morons believe that we're living in a period of time where the opponents of the Biden administration are Confederates. Now, this is what the, the Republicans will do, too. You see, we've come up with the boogeyman in American history. Anything that's bad is the Confederates. Anything that's bad is Jefferson Davis, or, of course, if you go back before the Confederacy, it's John C. Calhoun. But we've kind of moved on from Calhoun because people have kind of forgotten about him. We're on to Jefferson Davis now. Everything is Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis is now the boogeyman. Used to be John C. Calhoun. Now it's Jefferson Davis. Robert E. Lee is in that group, too. It's always these people that are the bad guys. And anything that goes wrong, it's just lost cause, uh, insurrectionist, secessionist, Civil War Confederates. Of course, it's ahistorical. It's completely devoid of any context. But these people think that doing this scores hit points. Now, I think it does for the dopes on the left. Because they don't know anything anyways. The problem is the dopes on the right, supposedly, who try to use it to attack the Democrats are, are undermining their entire position. And they're really missing the boat. Because the fact is, if you're going to call the Democrats, you know, the party of the Confederacy and all these other things, and they're going to call you the same thing, well, who's going to win that particular game? I'll tell you who, the Democrats. Because Americans are historically ignorant and it really doesn't matter. Whoever has the biggest bowl of candy is going to get the votes. It doesn't matter. These history wars are ridiculous. But it makes, it makes a, a, um, a way for all of these historians who are just a bunch of dorks to have some kind of influence. I mean, that's, that's really what this comes down to. These people are so power hungry. They, this is their whole point. They want power. You look at the cast of characters that Joe Biden will bring in for these meetings, and all of these people are power hungry. Now, I'm going to talk about some of these people. I'm going to read an article that Politico wrote that talked about a tight-lipped secret meeting. If, if Look, if this is so important, if this is so necessary, why is it secret? Why are people tight-lipped about what was talked about in this meeting? Why? Because these people are lying, and they know it. The other thing is, these academics don't want to be shown as being the partisan hacks that they all are. 
even though they openly do it in all the things they write. But they want to have some kind of veil of objectivity. There's actually a book written by a man named Novik. It's entitled That Noble Dream. And he talks about historical objectivity and how it is a a lie. There is no historical objectivity. All of these people that Joe Biden bring in to talk about history are all a bunch of leftist hacks. And that's the sad thing. They're leftist hacks. They're not honest about anything. They simply have an agenda and they want to fit the agenda to their understanding of history. And their understanding of history is oftentimes distorted. Now, sometimes they get some things right, but most of the time these people are doing things and using history as a weapon. This is the clearest example of that. Because if you're going to meet with the President of the United States and you're going to fashion his campaign, if you look at that campaign video you put out, it's clear that these dopes were involved in it. If you're going to fashion someone's campaign, you're now a partisan hack. That's all you've done. You've become just any other partisan activist in America. This is why I've said before and why other people say these people really aren't historians. They're activists. And this is all they really ever wanted to do. They wanted to be political activists, and that's why they got involved in history. In fact, when I was a graduate student, I had the chair of the department essentially admit that. He's a leftist. He was a leftist because of his understanding of history and how he could apply it. He wanted the ability to control minds, to control how people thought about the past, so that he could create more activists. He admitted it in a seminar. That was his goal, and it was ridiculous. And of course, he really didn't understand American conservatism at all. He understood it through the lens of what he had been reading, which was written by a bunch of other leftists, what American conservatism was, and of course, what these people wanted, what they talked about. That was his whole point. So let me get into this Politico article. It's entitled, Historians Meet for a Biden White House Lunch. Urge him to speak out more forcefully. Why would historians do this? This is from January 3rd. And it's it's not a coincidence that just a couple of days later, Biden gives this ridiculous speech at Valley Forge, a stupid speech, an 1850s speech, and then he gives another one that's equally as bad, the next day. First of all, Confederates didn't, I'll just say this about that speech the next day. Confederates didn't say that, they they didn't um, resist the verdict. In fact, they talked about it all the time. They lost. That's what the entire Reconciliation Memorial was about in Arlington Cemetery. It was a Confederate memorial, but it was more about the New South. It wasn't about the lost cause. It was about saying, look, we're burying the sword. We're reunited. We lost. We're back in the United States. We're happy to be here. We're happy slavery is over. They said that many times. We're happy that's all done with. We just want to be good Americans and be back on board with you. The Spanish-American War was an example of that. And everything was really healed up by 1917 and World War I. But we've undone all of that. All these dopey historians have undone all of that stuff. Now they want to go back to the 1850s. Why? Because they didn't think the 1850s went far enough. They didn't think radical reconstruction went far enough. This is what these people really want. They are the dangerous ones. They're the ones leading us down a path to something that could be really volatile in America. Those people. Go back, I mean, read Eric Foner. Read any of these dopes that write this stuff. 
It was an unfinished revolution. The revolution needs to be finished. And we have deplorables. We have bad guys. We have confederates. And these people need to be eliminated. Their voices don't matter. Who they, what they think doesn't matter. They're just wrong. This is what these historians are doing. When I said that Biden had this 1850 speech this week, when I said that's what it was, this is why. You can see their fingerprints all over this stuff if you just pay attention. So let me read this piece. Uh, the subtitle list, by the way, is Democracy May Be on the Ballot. Look at what he said over and over again. Oh, this is about democracy. Democracy, democracy, democracy. Equality. Equality, democracy, and, and, and equality, and, and progress. Again, I've got another class coming up in uh, February. American progressives. You're going to want to get it. Because I talk about where all this stuff comes from. It's not 2020s or even 1960s. It's 1870s, 1880s. This is where all this stuff really starts coming out, even a little bit before that. So democracy may be on the ballot less clear as what was on the menu. I mean, why are they hide, Why are they doing this in secret? If all this stuff is just so well, I mean, we need to know these things. Why are they hiding? Because this is not really about history. It's about activism. And again, these leftists who run these institutions don't want their big conservative donors to know that they completely hate them. Because if they knew that, they would stop giving money to Yale and Harvard and everywhere else that these people come from, and they should. If you're a conservative out there and you've got money, why you would give it to any major institution, Ivy League institution, or really any major, uh, any major university in the United States, again, is beyond me. You should be giving it to organizations like, I don't know, Mises, Abbeville Institute, 10th Amendment Center. These are the people that you should be talking to. Not a bunch of dopey historians who shouldn't even be making you know, minimum wage for what they do if they're going to do this kind of stuff. But all these people, remember, the president of Harvard, who was booted, gay, who was booted, is still going to make her $900,000 a year salary teaching political science. She just won't be president any longer, but she's going to make her $900,000 a year. And all of these people on this list are making huge amounts of money at their respective institutions. That's what they don't want you to know. And why can they do that? Because all these schools have major endowments. You know, Harvard could stop taking tuition and still fund itself for years because it has that much money in the bank. But yet, people still fork over money to Harvard. People still graduate from Harvard, conservatives, and they still give money to Harvard. They shouldn't. They should stop. you got to choke it. That's the only way you're going to do it. There's a lot of other institutions you could do this to. I mean, you, you want to do the work. Go out and look at schools that are trying to help people that really are uh, destitute and just trying to get out and get a leg up in life. And there's a lot of those schools out there. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, they aren't those schools. President Joe Biden hosted a small group of scholars and historians for lunch on Wednesday as he gears up for a speech framing the upcoming election as a battle for the nation's democracy. Well, where does he get this idea from these dopey historians? The discussion revolved around, quote, ongoing threats to democracy and democratic institutions, both here in America and around the world, as well as the opportunities we face as a nation, the White House said in a statement. 
yes, this election is about democracy. I'm going to tell you right now. If Trump wins, if Trump gets the nomination, and he's not kept off the ballot in certain I, I, the Supreme Court's going to stop that from happening. But you're going to see some other states try it. I still think so. If Trump wins, and the nomination, and he wins the election, these people are going to go absolutely ballistic. I think they are the real threat to all of this. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're not going to believe that Trump won. And you want to talk about election deniers, all of them are going to be it. They were election deniers in 2016. They didn't believe that Trump actually won there. That was Russian interference. Remember, they created the whole fake dossier and everything else. It was the Russians that did this. Trump could not have won this election. There's no way Trump could have won. Now, Trump has all of his faults. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Trump's perfect. He's not in any, shape or any way, shape, or form. But the fact is, these people hate him so much. They hate him so much. They've spent now, what are we, 2024? They've spent eight years trying to destroy him. When these dopes hate you that much, you're doing something right. They spent eight years trying to destroy him. Why? Because he upsets them. Because he upsets the apple cart. He's, he's one of them. Clearly, he's one of them. But he says some things that get people who aren't one of them, who don't go to Yale and Harvard and Princeton, who aren't in the city, right? Who aren't the establishment, who don't live in the capital. He gives some of these people hope that they could actually have some influence. The average American, the blue-collar American, that's what these people don't want. They don't really like you because you're not one of them. You don't go to lunch with the president. You're the unwashed, the unclean. You live in the districts outside of D.C., outside of the Capitol, outside of the establishment centers, the Ivy League, the towers. You live in these places that don't matter. Now, if you're homeless or something like that, they'll tolerate that because that would then give them some votes because they can promise you things and keep you on the hook, keep you addicted to the cash drip, right? They can do that. But if you're in the middle class, they don't like you at all. If you have views that don't mesh with theirs, if you're generally conservative, just kind of live a normal life, go to church, whatever it is, they don't like you at all because you're not one of them. You're an opposition. You're a threat to their power. This is what they don't want. Princeton's Eddie Glaw Jr. and Sean Valence. Sean Valence, uh, back in the 90s when, when I was in, uh, in graduate school, Sean Valence wasn't this powerful Princeton historian. He was just a dopey labor historian writing some crappy stuff. Seriously. Uh, he's just a communist writing a bunch of garbage. And now, because he teaches at Princeton, oh my gosh. Harvard's Annette Gordon-Reed, again, the big lie. Harvard, here we have Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Boston College. That's the list. Annette Gordon-Reed has built her entire career on a fabrication. The Jefferson Hemings myth. That's her career. She built it on a lie. And yet, this is the woman that's consulted. She did it for political reasons. The entire thing. Yale's Beverly Gage and Boston College's Heather Cox Richardson. <laughs> Heather Cox Richardson hates, 
hates, I mean, she writes with such vitriol. She hates anyone who is not a radical Republican from the 1850s. Those are her people. And you can see it. Again, who else is there? John Meacham, the dope. Of course these people are there. These are the people that are write, help writing Biden's campaign speeches. Not Eric Foner. Eric Foner, he wasn't there. He's a communist, but he's influenced all these people. James Oakes could be there, too. I mean, any of these, any of these dopes could be there. But this is, this is what happens when you have history and you have activists at these major research institutions now have some type of political power. Trust me, this is what they want. And you, again, if you watch that video, it's all about the history wars. Attendees were tight-lipped. Uh, oh, by the way, Heather Cox Richardson, if you want the clearest evidence that these people are writing speeches, here it is. I, I missed this part. Heather Cox Richardson were among the attendees as well as presidential biographer and occasional Biden speechwriter John Meacham. He wrote this stupid campaign speech, and he's influenced by all these other dopes sitting on that panel. Richardson may not write speeches, same thing with Valence and Gordon Reed and all these other dopes, but they're influencing Meacham, who writes Biden's speeches. And I can almost guarantee that John Meacham wrote that dialogue or wrote the script for that first campaign video. Of course he did. Almost guarantee it. Attendees were tight-lipped about what was discussed at the gathering. One would only go so far as to say they talked about American history and its bearing on the present. A lively exchange of ideas. These are the Orwellians. They're getting ready to have uh, Winston sit there at his tube in his cubicle and rewrite history. They're saying that the other side's rewriting everything, but they're the ones who are doing it. If, if they're saying that the South didn't accept defeat in 1865, of course they did. They said it all the time. If you go out and read Pollard's Lost Cause, it's all about defeat. I mean, they've completely distorted what that even means. These are the righteous cause mythologists. These are the people who are saying things that aren't true. And yet, they're supposedly guarding history. They're the ones who are protecting the past from distortions. Another person in the room who, like the others, is not authorized to speak publicly about a private meeting. I mean, they love this stuff, by the way. They love it. This is their secret session of the Senate in the 1780s. And they're in there with the president in secret session talking about things that nobody can go outside of these walls and say anything about. They're in the know. Oh, they love this stuff. This is their chance at power. This is their chance for being recognized instead of being the little dork in the corner who's scribbling on some paper and nobody pays attention to. This is their chance. Kevin Cruz on Twitter, that's what it was. This is what these people want. Said the historians urged the president to call out the moment for what it is. Call out the moment for what it is. Mr. President, you got to call these people deplorable. Call out. These people are tyrants. These people are dangerous. They don't like democracy and equality. And guess what happens? They say things like this, and all that language filters into a speech. 
This is Biden's speech, the dark Brandon speech that he made, you know, Independence Hall with all the Nazi imagery and everything else. These people are the real fascists. These people are the real ones that want to punish you for having, having wrong thought. They're the Orwellians. They're the big brother. This is what they want to do. In blunt terms, the academics discussed looming threats to the nation's democracy and warned about the slow crawl of authoritarianism around the globe. Around the globe. Biden listened intently and asked questions, the participant said. This is something that he cares deeply about, the person cares about deeply, the person said. Yeah. Cares deeply about this. Equality and democracy under assault, he said, right? I mean, this is what he's he said. Equality and democracy. And look at all the distortions. I pointed this thing out, all these distortions out in his, his speech. Valley Forge. These things the speech is stupid. But this is what he's trying to do. Over the course of his presidency, Biden has periodically convened groups of his top scholars and historians for big-picture conversations about his legacy as well as the existential threats of the country. Wednesday's lunch meeting comes ahead of Biden's speech in this, this Friday, Valley Forge, PA, marking the third anniversary of the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, he met with them ahead of time. They hadn't even written the speech yet, I almost guarantee it. This is January 3rd. They wrote the speech over the next day or two, and I can almost tell you that these dopes were involved in it. This is something that needs to do, especially as we head towards an important day like January 6th, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said during Wednesday's press briefing. The subject matter is familiar for Biden. He has repeatedly declared that he vowed to run for president after watching the racist demonstrators march on Charlottesville in 2017 when then-President Donald Trump declared there were good people on both sides of the protest. He called that a race battle for the very soul of the, of the nation and now believes the stakes are higher. I'm sure that's when Biden decided he was going to run for president. Biden decided he was going to run for president the second that he was out of office as vice president. He just had to wait his turn because Hillary Clinton had to get in there and get defeated and then Biden's turn. He, had, he knew he was going to run for president. It just wasn't, oh, I was watching the television and I saw this. And then I went and spoke with Bo. And Bo told me, Dad, you got to run. Joe Biden wanted to be president almost his entire life. That's, that's his legacy. This is everything he wanted. He's gotten what he wanted. He wants to put president of the United States on his tombstone. And I'm going to tell you right now, Joe Biden, in 100 years from now, will be virtually as forgotten as... James Buchanan, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. Joe Biden will have an insignificant presidency unless something major happens and Biden's involved. But he will have an insignificant presidency. He'll just be able to say he had president of the United States. Or maybe I'll say this. Maybe he's going to be as insignificant as, uh, I don't know, Benjamin Harrison. Now, there's important stuff that happened during the Harrison administration, without question. But in terms of what people know, people are just, who's Joe Biden? Nobody's going to care. Particularly if he only live, only serves one term. And that could happen. Biden could be a one-termer. They're trying to rig the game to make it to where it won't happen that way. But Biden could serve only one term. And at that point, his legacy is toast. Biden watched the U.S. Capitol insurrection on January 6, 2021 from his transition headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. 
where he had all kinds of classified documents. He had hoped that the riot would bring the Trump era to an end, but since then, the former president has tightened his grip on the Republican Party. Biden has repeatedly warned that the dangers of anti-democratic forces have grown, using his speeches to mark the two previous anniversaries of the insurrection, one delivered from the Capitol. The president also made it central. And remember, he called the Capitol a sacred place. This is where these people worship. They go and they... We should just forget about... Um, doing any kind, any other thing. They go to worship at the Capitol. Just put some statues there and they should just have, you know, an eternal flame burning at the Capitol. Um, you know, they should say prayers and everything at the Capitol on a regular basis to the to the gods who are the previous politicos. This is Rome, by the way. I mean, this is what we're getting at. This is why I've said we're in Rome. You used to have temples to former, uh, former leaders of Rome, right? Former emperors of Rome. They'd have temples to these people. We should just have that, right? We should just scrap all the, the fake nonsense that we believe in something else and just have, you go to the Capitol, you have the Vestal Virgins there, and they have the, the eternal flame burning, and you have temples to these former politicos. We could have one to Nancy Pelosi and one to Joe Biden, one to Barack Obama. Uh, we could have that. One to uh, Hillary Clinton. We could have that for Hillary Clinton. We could we could do that. Michelle Obama's never, but she's going to have one too. Um She's going to run for president one day. And see, this is what happens. If Trump is on the ballot in 2024 and he wins, Obama, Michelle Obama, is going to run in 2028. This isn't her time, but she's running in 2028. Almost guarantee it. Uh, so we could have this. Uh, we could pick some other people, right? I mean, we could have, you know, uh, we already have the Lincoln uh, Temple. We could, we could, you know, make sure that there are people there uh, treating it like a real temple. We could have sacrifices, animal sacrifices on the steps on a regular basis. We could do all this stuff. I mean, just go ahead and go for it, because this is what we've got. The president also made it central to his efforts to aid Democrats in 2022's midterm elections, which included a speech at Philadelphia's Independence Hall and credited it in part for the party's surprising strong showing. He returned to the theme last year at the McCain Institute and were visited at another historically symbolic venture this weekend at the headquarters of General George Washington's Continental Army during the American Revolution. So again, this was predating that that Valley Ford speech where he brought George Washington to this and Washington was speaking out against garbage like this. I mean, to say that George Washington would have supported any of this is to completely distort history. And these historians were going, yeah, we got, we got to do this. I mean, George Washington would have been on board. But George Washington wouldn't have supported any of this stuff. His entire farewell address was against all these kind of things. Using the presidency as a pulpit for partisanism or partisanship, Washington warned against all of that. Doesn't matter. Even if you want to say Abraham Lincoln, look at Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. Much different from the first. The first was a partisan hack job, right? I mean, that's hatchet. It's what it was. Abraham Lincoln was trying to save his party in 1861. In the 1850s, he was as partisan as anybody else. He's trying to save his party. 1861, his party was going to get destroyed in the next election cycle if he didn't do something to save his party. That's exactly what Joe Biden's doing here. This is why you don't need presidents running for re-election. Because this is what creates this kind of nightmare. It's what Southerners realize and why they gave the presidency and the Confederate Constitution a non-electable one term of six years. It's what we need to have. All right. I love this stuff. I mean, you just can't make up how important the history wars are, that, that these people are out there trying to do this. Of course they are. This is their whole agenda. 
You want a clear example of it? It's right here, right in front of you. They're meeting with the President of the United States and trying to influence his election. There are some other articles that got into this, a couple at the Daily Caller, but this one at Politico is a clear example of how these people want to have influence and power. It's their power. It's their only objective. See you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.